announcements and um, just remind you of a couple things that we have coming up this week. Of course, uh, uh, Thursday tomorrow is the ladies' gathering at 6.30, and they'll be going to the Corner Bakery, so if you have not, uh, if, um, you can just show up there at 6.30, obviously, but Miss Beck is going to send out a text, and if you can let her know that you're coming, that would be helpful. Uh, if she doesn't have your phone number for some reason, then uh, if you can make sure that she has that, that would be helpful. And then Saturday is a family Saturday, so no visitation, but like I mentioned, if you can come up here and, and just sit here for a little bit. Uh, then that would be helpful just in case somebody does show up. Um, if nobody's here, then that's, that's fine as well. It's a family Saturday, so uh, I want you to be able to spend some time with your families. Um, one other thing that I'll mention, um, uh, the cleaning crew that's, that's on for this week is basically it decimated. Everybody's had surgery, and of course, Miss Barbara's one of them as well, and obviously she's not able to clean right now. Uh, Jennifer, I believe, is coming tomorrow, uh, but she's the only one on the cleaning crew. So several of you have offered to help with that, um, but maybe to, to make it easy, if everybody that's planning to help out can just meet down in the front real quick afterwards to get together, uh, that way you can kind of talk amongst each other and figure out what everybody's doing. And, uh, it, you know, I think there's three or four people that have offered to help out. So uh, honestly, it's Really, we'll just kind of split everything up, and you can do it when you can. I know some are planning to do it tonight afterwards and, and uh, some tomorrow. So um, anyway, if you all can work together on that, we'll just meet. Um, I say will. I'm not planning to, help, to meet with you. It just You guys can get together and, and uh, talk through that just so everybody's on the same page. But that's helpful, and I appreciate everybody that's jumped in and offered to, to help out with that as well. I mentioned this uh, just a little bit earlier, but I'm going to be quick tonight, and uh, I'm going to try to get out of here as soon as the service is over. I don't know if I'm going to, to get any sleep or not, but if we do, it's going to be a couple hours. We have to leave at 1.30 in the morning to uh, head up to the airport. Our flight leaves at 6 o'clock in the morning, and believe it or not, we'll be in Belize by noon tomorrow afternoon, so, or by noon tomorrow, so, uh, it's, it's, uh, and that's with a couple-hour layover in Atlanta, too, so it's not a long trip necessarily, but we're going to hit the ground running, and... Um, uh, it's just to be praying for the, for the trip, but mainly for the services as well. It's an anniversary service. They do every year, obviously, and uh, it's a great, it's one of the best outreaches that they have, and they usually have between three, four, five hundred people. They've had, they've had over 500 people a couple different times that have come to this service, um, and uh, it's just a great opportunity to get the gospel out. Pastor Courtney Lewis is going to be preaching the, the Sunday morning service, um, which is where, you know, really the gospel is going to be preached. And then uh, they've asked me to preach on Sunday night, which is not going to be the same crowd necessarily, but a good number of them will come back because it's going to be in the same place. It's the, the crowd on that anniversary Sunday is way too large for their church building, so they rent uh, a conference hall, and um, it's, it's really right across the street from their church. So it's just, it's, it's, I've been there a couple different times for that, and it's been really good. And so uh, just be praying for that, if you will, and then... Um, We'll be back, uh, actually, we were planning to be back on Wednesday, but now we have a five-hour layover in Atlanta on Wednesday afternoon, and so now we don't get back till like 12.30 on Thursday morning next week, so uh, but we've got, we've got some, some good help that's going to be covering while we're gone, and I want to encourage you to be here and be, be, in the, be in your place on Sunday, and of course next Wednesday as well, and, and uh, be an encouragement to those who are, who are preaching. Uh, and actually, we had three services lined up, uh, Sunday school, well, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but we've decided to cancel everybody that was going to do that and just have Alex preach, so, um, no, I'm kidding. He, he said, what? <laughs> but, 
I really enjoyed that service and, and, and all the young men that were involved in that on Sunday night. Let me just give you a, a quick challenge here tonight. Acts chapter 4, and I want to read a little bit larger portion of Scripture than we normally do because I want you to see this story. Um, but the, the, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 5, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Nazareth that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. I think that's, it's, it's almost like a, a, a dig that Peter has given to them. By the way, the same one that you crucified, and by the way, the same one that you couldn't keep in the grave because he resurrected from the dead. Uh, this is how this man was raised uh, to be able to walk. This is the stone, verse 11, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. and They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For, they, for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. But the verse I want to point out and focus on as my text, if, you, if you'll call it that tonight, I don't even have any points. I've got one point that I want to get across to you tonight. But verse number 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, this is pretty interesting. I, I talked about it on Sunday morning, the fact that, that uh, Jesus had no plan B for getting the message of the gospel out. And he just used a bunch of, for the most part, ignorant men that were not well regarded. These were fishermen. Peter and John were fishermen. They, they were, I mean, they were part of the rougher class. They were not, you know, they weren't, they weren't the, uh, the, the rabbis and the scribes and the Pharisees and all these guys who were well, uh, you know, well versed in all the scriptures and, and, and everything else. I mean, I'm sure they knew some of it, but they looked at these guys and they said, how is it that these are the guys that did that? But we can't deny it. What they did was no doubt a miracle. And if we go out and say, no, it wasn't a miracle, everybody's going to know that we're, telling the truth, that we're telling a lie and that we're trying to cover the truth up. So what do we do? And it's, it's just so interesting that then they said, you guys go outside for a second. We need to talk about this amongst ourselves. 
And so they send them outside and they say, what are we going to do about this? There's no way that we can deny it. All right, let's just do this. Let's threaten them. And if we can threaten them, maybe they'll stop. And so they threaten them. And what did they say? We can't help it. We can't help but tell the things that we've seen and heard. But the interesting point about all of this is that they saw that they were unlearned. They saw that they were ignorant. But there was no way that they can deny that they had been with Jesus. That was the characteristic that separated, in this case, Peter and John, but all the rest of those first century Christians, that's what separated them from everybody else. They'd been with Jesus, and they could not help but notice that. Have you ever noticed that you started acting like the people you hang around? This goes way back, and it's going to sound really dumb, but when I was in seventh grade, actually, I was going into the seventh grade. I was in sixth grade, and you know, I had, uh, maybe you were this way too. But when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I always did well in school. But I, I was looking at seventh grade and eighth grade and ninth grade, and I saw some of the homework that they worked on, and I said, there's no way that I'm going to pass seventh grade. That is hard stuff. There's no way I'm going to pass. But we, I used to look at the seventh and eighth and ninth graders and, of course, the seniors in high school. I mean, they, were, they might as well have been adults, and they were the ones that you wanted to be like and wanted to like you and everything else. And so... Uh, when I was going into sixth grade is when you were allowed to start participating in the youth group things, and that summer we were taking a trip to the Grand Canyon to climb the Grand Canyon. And so we had been, we had done, uh, you know, we had trained and we had done all the things that we needed to do and everything else. And so we jumped on the bus and we started heading across, uh, heading across the country to the Grand Canyon. And I had never been around that large of a group of my friends for 24 hours at a time, let alone for 24 hours every single day. And I, I don't even know who, who started it or where it came from, but I was not one of, these guys, one of the kids to use the words dude and like uh, very much at all. In fact, I don't know if I had ever used them before. But everybody in this group was saying, dude, dude, and like for every other word. And before long, I caught myself saying dude and like every other word, just like all of them were. And I mean, even, I, and, and this is the funny thing too, that's what I'm saying, it sounds so dumb thinking about it now, but I don't even know where it started, but dude man, <laughs> I mean, and I, I'm still, this, you know, 25, 30, 30 years later almost, and I still remember it, dude man, Josh, hey, do you remember when we like went to, I mean, that was not who I was, but here I caught myself in the middle of a sentence one time, and I'm, I, I started thinking, what am I doing? This is not who I am, and now here I've said dude and like about 500 times in one, in one day, but it was because of the people that I was hanging around, and the more I said it, the more they said it, and the more they said it, the more I said it, and we rubbed off on each other, and even as a seventh grader, I realized, even a, really a sixth grader going into seventh grade, I realized the effect that my friends were having on me. And I made a conscious effort for the rest of that trip not to say dude and not to say like. And obviously it made an impact on me because here all these years later, I still remember that. It would have been obvious to anybody that knew me, uh, anybody that paid attention, that I'd been hanging around with people that used words that I didn't use. Not that they were bad words. Obviously, dude is not a bad word. Like is not a bad word. So I'm not, I'm not falling into sin by doing that. But I started acting like the people that I was hanging around. And in Acts chapter 4, the Bible is telling us that exact story of Peter and John. They were, they were acting and doing things 
that were absolute proof that they had been with Jesus. The actions and the spirit of Jesus had rubbed off on them because he was the one that they had chosen to spend the majority of their time with for the last three and a half plus years at this point. And so the question that I have very simply tonight is this, how about your life? When people look at you, can they tell that you've spent time with Jesus? The question that I have for you tonight is very simple, and it's this, have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? Can people tell by hanging out with you and hanging around you that you've been with Jesus? There's a lot of ways that people can tell that. When you start to talk about movies and sports and entertainment and all these other things more than you want to talk about the things that happened at church, then people can tell that you haven't been spending a whole lot of time with Jesus. When you want to talk about, and and again, is there anything wrong with sports? No, there's nothing wrong with sports. Is there anything wrong with talking about secular things? As long as they're not bad, then no, there's nothing wrong with that. But can people tell that you've been with Jesus? Because when you've been with Jesus, your speech changes. Your priorities change. And people can tell what your priorities are by the things that you talk about. Would it be obvious if, if for, for, by, with, with you know, two people that are hanging out with you that you've been hanging out as far away from him as possible? Because there's a lot of times when we get backslidden, we get away from the Bible, and we get, you know, even if we are still maybe technically in church and still there for the services and everything else, you start getting backslidden, and those things don't mean anything to you anymore. And your priorities change, and your speech changes, and the things that you want to talk about and the things that you want to do change. You spend time with Jesus, you're going to want to be knocking on doors. You spend time with Jesus, you're going to want to be here for the visitation and passing out the Bible. You spend time with Jesus, you're going to want to tell others about him. And it's going to be very obvious that you've been with him. Or would the evidence show that it's been quite some time since you've read the Bible or uttered a word to him in prayer? You, you can't tamper with the evidence against you. That's, that's where the rubber meets the road, as they say. You can't. Uh, uh, for a while, you could probably fool some people into thinking that you've been around Jesus. For a while, you can fool some people into thinking that you're still on fire for him. For a while, you can fool people into thinking that you're reading your Bible and praying and everything else. But over time, it's going to be very evident whether you are or whether you're not. And I can promise you that if Peter and John had not spent time with Jesus in the last year, two years, three years, then there would have been no evidence against them that they'd been with Jesus. And it wouldn't be this, this council sitting together saying, how can we stop these guys? It's so obvious that they've been with Jesus. It's so obvious that they've been around him. Look what they're doing. It's so obvious. How, how, how can we stop them? And that's what give, give, uh, gave Peter and John the boldness that they had. Hey, you decide. If, if you think that we ought to you know, uh, obey you over God, you, you decide that, but we're just going to tell you right now. We can't help but talk about the things that we've seen. We've been with Jesus, and you cannot help but talk about the things that you uh, have in communion with him when you've been with him. You find something in the word of God. You want to share, share it with other people. You, you, have, you have time with him in prayer. That's a sweet fellowship. You want to share it with other people. You can't help it. And that's, that's one of those things that you can't fake. You can, you can pretend for a little while, but it's, you, you can't fake it. You've either been with Jesus or you, or you haven't. 
If somebody were to accuse you of being around Jesus and put you on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you of being with Jesus? For the majority of Christians, I would say no, there's not. There's no evidence that you spend any time with him. But what about you? Have you been with Jesus? You can fake spending time with him, but your actions are eventually going to prove whether you've been with him or not. The best way to emulate a person is to spend a lot of time with them. And maybe you found yourself doing some of those same things. The same way that I did when I was in seventh grade and hanging around those friends that said, dude, and like. It's pretty obvious that I was hanging around those friends because they were saying the same things that I was saying. And most people don't say that stuff. It's pretty obvious who I'd been hanging out with. But that's who I was spending 24 hours a day with. What else was I going to do? And that's exactly what happens when you've spent time with Jesus. You spend time with him, it's going to be very obvious that you've spent time with him. You'll pick up on, on, on the person that you hang out with. You're going to pick up on their habits, their mannerisms, their speech, and everything else. And if you want to be like Jesus, which should be our ultimate goal, then you have to spend a lot of time with him. Is it apparent to others looking at your life that you've been with Jesus? That's the question. Will people know, is there enough evidence to convict you of spending time with Jesus? Look back in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them. They had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Simple challenge tonight, but something I want you to think about this week. Is there enough evidence there to convict you of having been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for this passage here in particular that we've read tonight and for the fact that we have such strong examples in the word of God that we can look at. God, may we, may we be convicted of having spent time with Jesus. And God, may it show in our lives, may it show in our actions, may it show in our speech, may it show in the way that we witness and in everything else that we do. God, may you be pleased with each one of us. Thank you again for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.